everybody. I uh, guess we're going to be starting up a little bit earlier than, uh, than expected. Uh, my name is Grover Wimberly, uh, and I'm going to be showcasing, I'm going to be talking about showcasing your indie game at an expo, physical or virtual. Uh, this was a talk I did uh, a couple of months ago for the IGDA Las Vegas chapter, but uh, unfortunately I did that in February, right before COVID hit the states really badly, and a lot of the information I presented in that uh, in that presentation is uh, either obsolete or really doesn't make sense in the the what I would call you know post 2020 uh, after this pandemic. So uh, consider this an updated, uh, up to date version of of that talk, uh, and uh, we'll hop right into it. Let's see. There we go. Um, I just want to start off with a disclaimer. Uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic, as you all well know. Um, and the information that I'm going to share with you today should be taken as of the date of this presentation. Um, our situation now is a lot different than it was two months ago, four months ago. And I imagine that it's going to be a lot different than it is two or four months from now. Um, so maybe things I might say in this presentation might not even make sense then. This is all kind of unanticipated and, you know, this is different than anything else we've really went through in the industry before. Um, so, yeah, this is just my disclaimer. Situations may change. Um, yeah. Why? Um, the following presentation is based off of my own experience and, and these should not also be followed as strict guidelines. Uh, you're, depending on how you're developing your game, how you're marketing your game, your experience may vary. Uh, so who am I and how did I get here? Um, I have been an indie game developer since 2004. Um, I Back then I was just making games for fun. I was just you know, crashing into the walls and seeing what happened. Uh, after I graduated from college, I uh, decided to form an indie game studio with two of my close friends. And uh, we released three games, uh, and now we're working on a few more. So uh, that picture there is uh, from a, a happier time uh, when we can all meet in person. Uh, that was us at E3 from a couple of years ago. Um, and because of just the nature of our, our indie game business, and, and uh, we all have day jobs and moonlight uh, doing indie game development uh, on the side from our day jobs. And I'm just going to be sharing a lot of pictures from our team going on this presentation. This was all taken before lockdown, so don't don't take that as like a panic, like we're meeting in person or anything like that. All right. Uh, so what what conventions have we been to? Uh, we've been to Playcrafting Expo, uh, Indie Game Night, Retro Gaming Expo, Level Up Expo, Game On Expo in Phoenix. We've we've visited GDC. We've done GameCon. Uh, and we've been uh, rejected from Indiecade a lot of times, but I think we've got into one of them like a couple, couple years ago. So uh, before I talk about uh, how things have changed post-COVID, I'm going to give kind of an update on my original presentation. Um, and I'm going to talk about demonstrating at physical conventions. I'll talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. And then I'll talk about what to kind of keep in mind of when... Uh, Things open up again, and we do eventually have in-person conventions. 
So the good part of demonstrating at a physical convention is that, you know, when you're demonstrating your game, you get a lot of player feedback. There's been so many people have played our games. As you can see the with the picture of the two people in the Pikachu cosplay, we have a mobile game that was designed for one player, but they, you know, two siblings got together and started teaming up to play. And that's like, oh, wow, we never really anticipated, you know, two people playing on a touchscreen device for a single player game. Um, it's a great opportunity to make good first impressions. You know, people come by and they really like the game. You can meet them and, you know, they'll have that, that experience of meeting the, uh, the creators of the game. Um, it's a giant morale, it's a giant morale boost for you and your team. Um, people will feel your, your team members will feel empowered that, Hey, I got to show them off the game that I worked on to 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people. And uh, it just like, oh, they really like this part. I'm going to make this level this way, or I should make more levels like that. Um, so yeah, great morale boost. And it's a great learning experience to see how other people play your game. Um, there have been so many boss battles in our role-playing game, Celatria, to where we designed something that we thought that it should be played. And then when we gave it to somebody else to play, they thought of a completely different strategy that we never thought of. So it's a great insight on, on getting just play analytics on how players play your game. Uh, some of the bad things about demonstrating at a physical convention, uh, you need to know the convention you're attending. There's been some times where it's like, oh yeah, you know, we're paying, you know, $500 for a booth and it only has like 2000 people come and it's like, okay, why, why did we not do our, our uh, research on this beforehand? So, you know, we what we've done since then, we look at YouTube videos with like people walking around the convention. Are there a lot of people walking around? Do they, uh, you know, what do their crowds look like? Do they have people that are interested in games? Is it focused on games? Is it, or is it an anime convention where games are kind of like the side focus? Or is it a gaming convention where people are there and they, they're trying to look for new games to play? Um, and kind of like what I mentioned, it's like be wary of new conventions that pop up that have really expensive booth or setup fees. You, you know, if it's their first year or their second year, you know, maybe talk to them about, uh, how, you know, either being able to cut a deal on a cheaper booth or something like that um, to be able to help them help you. Um, and another thing that is uniquely a, a indie game problem is that if you have, if you're developing an indie game with an original intellectual property or IP, um, it's it's really really hard to sell that to people unless you can relate it to something, right? Um, and it kind of ties into like having an elevator pitch, right? So it's like, okay, we'll sell a trio. Oh, if you like games like Final Fantasy or you like games like Pokemon, you will really like this game. But if you're just trying to push your game as being completely original and completely unique, it's not to say that it's a bad thing, but you want to make sure that you have a way to be able to market it and be relatable to, to somebody to want them to come to your booth and want them to play your game. Um, at a con if you demonstrate at a convention, it is very, very hard to say where you're going to be placed. Um, there have been some conventions where we're placed like way in the back or way on the side and people have gotten and they spent their all their money on merch uh, from like, you know, anime conventions and whatnot. And then they see our booth in the back and it's like, oh, yeah, I wish you guys were up in front. I would be able to spend more money. Um, so you have to kind of keep that in mind. Um, if, if you have a really 
terrible placement for your booth you know maybe have a team member of yours like go to the front or where there's a lot of foot traffic and hand out flyers or, or cards or something and say hey you know try to direct them to your booth um it is really luck of the draw and that kind of thing um and this applies uh, a lot to anime conventions but um we're in a really weird place as indie game developers right um, there have been some anime conventions where we would try to go and get a booth and they're like, oh, okay, you can go in the artist alley, but most artist alley doesn't have electricity, right? And, or you have to pay for the electricity or something like that. Or, or we get to, oh, you're an exhibitor, but you're not selling anything. You're just trying to demonstrate your indie game. So then you're paying an exhibitor's fee when you know you're not going to be making a lot of money back on that, unless you have something that's really popular. So... Um, it, it's, I, I wish that more, uh, conventions would take mind of indie game developers and, and give us more of a voice that we're kind of in between that artist alley table and not quite at an exhibitor level. We don't need something really huge, but we still need electricity to be able to operate. All right, so the ugly. Uh, demonstrating and preparing at a convention is expensive. So if you want to go to something like PAX, that's easily almost $2,500 for just the booth alone, not to mention the cost of flying there and of the, you know flying potentially across country and, and getting all your equipment over there and getting that all set up, set up the hotel rooms, travel, food. Um, you know, you'd be expected to spend, you know, almost five grand on something as big as that. Um, but you just really need to look at what your audience is and go from there. Um, and uh, if you're planning on doing giveaways of like, you know, steam cards or different prizes, um, know the laws because each state has different laws on what you can do. Uh, for example, uh, we did a convention in Nevada and they do not like the concept of uh, raffles or giveaways unless there's a free to entry option. Um, because then it will be considered gambling and then you have to get the gaming board involved, that kind of thing. So uh, just look up your state laws if you plan on doing contests and giveaways and sweepstakes. Otherwise, you can get into a lot of legal trouble. Um, yeah, kind of what I was talking about. Uh, these were some of the... Uh, some of the prizes that we gave away on that uh, giveaway. Uh, we had it so if they played our game, which was the free entry option, they would get a ticket. If they signed up on our social media or followed us on Discord or Twitter or Instagram, they would get additional tickets to where they can have a chance to win the prizes. Um, but one of the downsides of that is that we noticed that um, rightfully so, people wanted on Saturday, right? People wanted the Switch. So they would they would sign up, they would follow us, they would do anything that they could to get to get as many tickets as they could for that switch. But as soon as that switch, you know, as soon as they didn't win, they unliked us, they unfollowed us. So on that Saturday, we had a giant spike of people who followed us and people who were really talkative on our Discord. And then as soon as that convention ended, they either left or they weren't interested anymore. So uh, we learned the hard way that, you know, doing, you know, trying to motivate people to sign up to get people to follow you just based off of trying to draw prizes from a sweepstakes was a very, um, I'm going to say short sighted way uh, to get a, gi a giant boost of followers um, because they weren't there for the long haul. They were just there because there was an incentive to join, not because they liked what you had to offer. Um, so this. This is one. Uh, this is something that I just added for kind of this 
post-COVID thing. Now, I, I got that from SpongeBob where Squidward's going, future. Uh, so our future right now is, is you know, looking kind of bleak, right? We don't, conventions, in-person conventions have been canceled till further notice. Um, and we're moving towards that virtual convention uh, setup, like just what we're doing now. I'm doing a virtual talk, right? Um, but eventually something that things are going to reopen at some point. And these are some things to kind of look forward to. Um, for uh, for our future conventions, uh, what we're going to be planning on doing is we don't want a bunch of people crowding around our demo like we have had in uh, past conventions. Um, and we're thinking about making something either an automated booth to where we have just demos of our games going on a loop. Um, or we plan on like having somebody, you know, constantly sanitizing the controllers and only like keeping it to like, okay, two or three people can be in our booth and that's it. And then everybody else has to be six feet away or we'll have, you know, additional uh, monitors around so that people can see it without having to be up close and looking at the gameplay. Um, but all of this will have to be added cost, right? So these are all things that you're going to have to consider if we're going to go back to an in-person uh, convention setup in the times of COVID um, or post COVID rather. Um, so just keep these, these little bullet points in mind. Um, also what I would highly suggest is um, have a game demo available online at the same time that the, it's playable at the convention, because there's going to be a lot of people that are going to walk by and it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to touch these controllers. I don't want my kids to touch these controllers. Where can I play this on the internet? And then you just give them a flyer and be like, oh, check out, you know, check out our Steam. Wish list us, wish list us on Steam. Follow our social media. Join our Discord. Um, and you can play the game demo from there. Um, it should be easily accessible so that anybody can play from their own devices as well. So next I'm going to talk about um, demonstrating at virtual conventions. So, um, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here because you're all at a virtual convention right now with talking about indie game business, right? Um, I think they've been on the rise since this year. You know, everything, have every convention has tried to find a way to do a virtual equivalent. Some have, you know, fared well better than others. Some have just outright canceled. Um, and uh, the two pictures that you see here, the one on top is from PAX. I think it's from either earlier this year or last year. I think it's last year because it shows Link's Awakening there. And at the bottom there, you see the Steam uh, Game Festival, the summer edition that they had in June. Um, that was made as like, hey, you, are you working on a game that's going to be released in the next year on Steam? Join our festival and you know get people playing free demos of your games. Um, I honestly think that this is going to be the future. Um, you know, it is very inconvenient for, you know, tens of thousands of gamers to go to like an event like E3 or to go to an event like PAX and they're waiting in line for one or two hours just to play a 10 minute demo of your game. It just, when we have a digital medium like playing video games, it just seems very counterintuitive that we're you know people are waiting hours to just play these little demos when they can just easily download something on their device and play it especially like in the times of like nintendo switch or you know having a a, a, a touchscreen phone to where you could just play games right on the fly um it is much cheaper than physically having to travel up to set up and tear down right 
Um, I'm, I'm happy I can do this straight from my own home. I don't have to leave anywhere. Um, and uh, just, yeah, like I said, I, I just don't see the industry just going back to the way things were. Um, it's just people were very resistant to change because that's how it's always been until we were kind of forced to adapt. And I think that, you know, taking advantage of the um, tools that we have to offer will make it for a more fun, inclusive experience for all gamers where they can give a try to the game just from the comfort of their own home. Um, with doing virtual conventions, you get a wider audience and a wider variety of developers. I get, you know, I got to meet, I did a, a indie game night and world game night for playcrafting earlier this year. And I got to see games made in, in Portland, games made in London, you know, just from a click from my my computer, right? I, I, I would have never met these people, otherwise I would have never heard of these games uh, due to, you know, visibility. Um, and and that's, that's, that's just a great thing, right? We get to hear about and play all these new games. And the new normal, right? You hear everything like, is this the new normal? I think it's going to be, we don't know for sure. It really depends on how big companies, you know, bigger companies will adapt and willing to kind of push this forward because if the big companies aren't willing to adapt, then we have to play with them until they're willing to change, in my opinion. So how do you prepare for a virtual convention? Um, first impressions matter so much more uh, for virtual conventions because with, with, uh, uh, with physical conventions, right, you have people coming by your booth. We had people coming by our booth and just looking and just walking away. But for a virtual convention, they have, you know, to be, to get to your page at all, they have to be somewhat invested. They have to see you somewhere. Um, and you want to do whatever you can to keep them there. I know they talk a lot about in, in biz, indie game business about a sales funnel where um, you, you want to get them deeper into the funnel to the point where they actually purchase the game. Um, and what do you, how do you get them into that funnel? You want to make a good first impression. You want to keep them there. You, you provide that demo, have that demo ready, have good screenshots, have that video ready. Um, anything you can do to kind of keep them interested and intrigued in your product. Um, another difference is like with a virtual convention, you have to know what type of convention it is. Is it like a Steam Summer? Is it like the Steam the Steam Summer Festival, where you you just go and there's just a bunch of games just laid out for you to be able to play at any time, and then there's like live streams of developers going on, or is it a convention like this where there's strict like from one to two p.m. I'm talking, from three to four p.m. somebody else is talking, um, and they're going to be presenting their games. You have to you have to figure out what type of uh, convention and that it's going to be. Um, and then you look at like, have they done, has this convention been held before? Is this their first time doing something like this? Um, and just like when I talked about physical conventions, physical conventions, you want to um, just kind of gauge how many people are going to be there and know who you're going to be talking to. And to the right there uh, is our game seller trio on Steam. I highly suggest wish listing it. So where can you find virtual expos? Um, you know, I, I, I feel like this is kind of a little bit obvious, but I still want to talk about it. You know, how did I find about this one? You know, word of mouth uh, from friends in the industry that told me that I should talk at this kind of convention. 
uh, Google. You know, I just did a quick search for Indie Game Conventions 2020, and there's just a bunch of dates and and events and stuff, and you could just go and just look it up on your own and and see what 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 is there that you can go for. Um, I wanted to avoid listing out expos because it's really come and go. Um, especially with right now, it's like, okay, well, is this going to be held? Is this not going to be held? Um, it is just, everything is just up in the air at the moment. Oh, whoops. There we go. Uh, your local IGDA chapter, um, just talk with the talk with fellow game developers in your area, see where they're going, see what they're doing and, uh, and, and learn from them. Um, and, and try to, uh, go from there and, and be able to demonstrate. Um, and Discord, <laughs> cough, Indie Game Business Discord. Uh, so if you haven't joined the Indie Game Business Discord, I highly suggest doing it because uh, there's just so, there's just a treasure trove of all kinds of uh, interesting things that you can uh, find out about. Yeah, no, they didn't pay me to say this. I'm just, that, that's, I genuinely find that to be useful. Uh, some tips and suggestions. So this is a kind of a holdover from my previous previous presentation. Um, but uh, this was a mix of uh, asking people in the industry what they thought in my own experiences. Um, don't show the same content over and over again. Um, at least from us showing uh, early builds of Solitria, they're like, oh yeah, you're showing the lava puzzle again? Okay, I'll solve that. Um, and then at that point, they're just kind of trying to, to beat, a, beat a record or something. Um, if you plan, if you've been working on your game for a long time, um, and you you feel like you want to show it again at a either make it like an encore presentation or show off primarily new content that you've built since that last convention, uh, focus on the new stuff. Um, be on time. <laughs> I, I am notoriously late to everything, um, and uh, people will remember that, and people will give your booth away. So don't don't do that. Um, be on time. Uh, and then one or two months ahead of time. Um, don't try to cram it into the last minute. Don't try to get the demo done the day before. The worst thing that you can have happen to you is you're trying to demonstrate and things don't work, right? Things, you know, it's always useful to be like, okay, this new feature that I tried to add last minute didn't work. I Here's my other build that I have ready. Um, you know, always be prepared. Oh, and then use that time after you get your demo done to start making some promotional material, right? Start posting on social media, start getting awareness like, hey, we're going to be at this at this uh, at this convention, postcards, uh, anything that you can do to get the word out would be helpful. Indie Game Business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all their speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. Um, print, uh, this is one I, that I noticed because like 
booth numbers at conventions that I've been to or demonstrate at, they come tend to come in really, really late or last minute. Um, and it's, it's just easier to say, hey, we're going to be at booth number and then kind of write it in. Um, that's just from my experience. Yours may vary. Um, so I just printed up a bunch of generic postcards that have kind of either meet us at the Win Indie booth or meet us at booth number and then leave that blank so we can fill it in. Don't be, don't be afraid to say that your game is like insert popular game here. Um, Celatria, which is what you see here, Melanie from Celatria on the right there. Um, I'm not afraid to say that, hey, it's like it's Final Fantasy. We got we took a lot of inspiration from Chrono Trigger and Paper Mario and Final Fantasy. So like, don't be afraid to say your game is like that. Um, if that gets people who are interested in those types of games to your booth, then go all for it. Um, and then get you know get your game down to a 15 to 30 second synopsis so people walking by know what it is really quickly hey you like final fantasy come to our booth hey you like super smash tv you like uh twin stick shoot em? shoot em ups come and play spellbearers you want to be able to quickly say it so that people you get people's attention without having to go on a five minute talk about what your game is about um this is one thing that we just started doing. Um, contact the convention ahead of time. They mostly have press uh, lists uh, of, of like streamers that are coming, uh, gamers that are coming, big name uh, like interviewees. Um, and then start contacting them, start telling them, hey, I'm gonna be at Level Up Expo on in April of 2020. Um, please come to it. Well, maybe not April of 2020, but well, I'm gonna be at Level Up Expo. Come and visit us. Uh, we're going to be at booth number whatever. Um, and then, you know, and remember them. Remember that you made contact with them. Um, you know, get get your, get that press list. Um, and wear good shoes. Um, I can't emphasize it. Um, if, you, if you wear flip-flops or if you wear something that's not comfortable, your feet are going to hurt. Even when I was wearing comfortable tennis shoes, my feet still hurt for three to four days after a convention's over, um, at least physical convention. It's another benefit to a virtual convention. Your feet don't hurt afterwards. Um, and my last tip, and this is really dependent on how your game is developed and who you're developing it with, but be willing to make adjustments to your game on the fly. There have been some times where uh, day one of a convention, people are just struggling to finish the challenge that we set out for them in our game. And uh, after day one, we're all like scrambling to get back to either our hotel room in the case of like GDC or something, or just scrambling to get back to my house after level up expo and like, okay, this boss is too hard. We need to, we need to nerf that a little bit. We need to buff these healing spells a little bit. And we're like up until like one, uh, 11 PM to one at, at night, trying to just make adjustments to it so we can upload it to the build there for the next day. Um, you know, if it's too difficult, make it easier um, and also get feedback, right? After they play the game, ask them to fill out a survey, ask them to, to uh, put in feedback. Did they like it? Did they not like it? What didn't they like about it? What did they love about it? Um, we use Google Forms for our, for our games, but if you don't have time to do Google Forms or if you're in a place where internet connection is really spotty, pen and paper, old school pen and paper will work just as well. Um, and I'm going to I split these two tips into physical and virtual. But uh, for physical, know the convention center, haul in, haul out policies. Uh, 
the last time we went to Level Up Expo, we found out that we were on the second floor of the convention center, not the first floor. And trying to get our stuff out when everybody else was trying to leave was a pain. Um, so know, know that beforehand and then make sure you're prepared to deal with that kind of stuff. Uh, for a virtual convention, know the URL, know the time, adjust for time zone as needed. Even when I saw that this talk was at 1 p.m., I was like, is that 1 p.m. Eastern or is that 1 p.m. Pacific, right? And then you want to make sure that uh, you know because um, there's been uh, there's been some times, and I, and I talk to our team about it a lot, to where it's really important to note down the time zone of, of your events and what you're going to be doing because not everybody's in the time zone. Not everybody observes daylight savings and we need to all, you know, constantly need to mention that, Hey, it's 1 PM PDT or 1 PM Pacific time. Um, and very, you know, most importantly, be friendly, right? Nobody likes an asshole. You want to be able to, um, be very friendly with people. There are going to be people that, you know, you're trying to be friendly with them and they'll just kind of snub you off or ignore you. Um, and, and that'll wear out, that'll wear down on you over a, a long period of time. But um, it's, that's just really important. You have to be friendly. And that's it. That's my uh, presentation. Uh, I am open. Oh, PS wishlist our game, sell a tree and spell bears on steam, <laughs> but I'm happy to take questions. Do um, Grover pop in the link to your wish list on the chat in that way, okay. or ping it to me and, and I'll post it in there. So one, I've got a piece of advice for you on sure. the your your feet hurting for three days. No matter how good your shoes are, go to CVS, Walgreens, whatever, and buy a Doctor Scholl's like insert. Mm. It'll make the world. Uh, uh, an absolute world of difference when you're like walking around or standing for like three or four days. Um, that, that's, that's my secret, especially since I used to go to conferences in, in all stars. And it's like, those things have no padding <laughs> in oh, the, at, at all, but yeah, got, swing down to the store and grab you a pair of inserts and it will be a massive help. So, Questions and you know, keep in mind you can pop them in chat wherever you are watching. You can drop them in the Discord, and we will see them and, and get them posted over. But if you have questions about you know any of this showcasing virtually or physically, that's what we are here to answer. Uh, and so we have the first one. There we go. How can you recreate the gamer developer camaraderie? in a virtual convention and the act of walking through your game with another person? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would suggest uh, in a virtual convention, the walkthrough, I, I think what I, what I personally would do, I would put a lot of emphasis on a tutorial. Um, a lot of people, uh, when, I, when I would go to like uh, even GDC and I walk around like the game hall, right? Um, there's always like somebody there to like walk me through the game. But I was like, all the stuff that you're walking me through the game in person, this would have really just helped in an end game tutorial. It would have been the best tutorial ever existed. Um, but it's a fine line because especially when you're dealing with gamers who have played a lot of games, some right. developers create tutorials that I want to chunk out the window within two minutes of starting them. It's like, I don't, creating a good, 
first time user experience you know i, I just love the phrase fatui i like saying fatui sure, sure. that first fatui is it's hard and you know to get that balance right so if you put too much emphasis on the just on the tutorial you're going to get people like me that are like all right i'm done let's go um i i feel like um when to like I, I feel tutorials require a different type of game design because and i don't I'm of the mind that the tutorials should not be written by the person who might primarily develop the game because they know everything about the game, right? Okay. It needs to be, it, it needs to be kind of like, you're watching the person play through the game, right? And you have to see where are they constantly messing up and then have like somebody else on your team that, or maybe somebody else that's from another team, but on the same like company or something like that, play through it, give their feedback on it and kind of get their input on what they would want to see in a tutorial. Because yeah, if, if you're making a tutorial based on somebody who knows everything, it's really hard to teach it as like a first time experience. Um, the, the game Cuphead, right? Really difficult game, but the tutorial teaches you all you need to know to be able to play that game. Um, oh, you need to parry the pink stuff. You need to jump. You need to jump and shoot. You need to jump and dash, and uh, and then then they throw all these complicated things at you. But you know the controls and whatnot, are, and the tutorial I feel is kind of top notch for that game. Let your mother play the game, and <laughs> she can walk you through what she likes and what she doesn't. That's it's kind of like the marketing spiel. So yeah. you and. So buddies from YouTube has a, and I think this is the phrase I'm going to use from now on out uh, to, to, to reference live events. Do you find the numbers between virtual and meat space conventions are similar? <laughs> okay. I like the word meat space. I, I might do, do that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> next time I, next time I do this talk, I'll do the difference between uh, virtual and meat space conventions. Uh, the, the, no, and uh, a good example that I'll give is Comic-Con. So Comic-Con, right, they did, uh, you know, biggest comic convention in the world, right? And, and I, I have game developer friends that have demonstrated games at the physical Comic-Con. But this year they had Comic-Con at home, right? And hardly, you know, hardly anybody knew about it. I, I feel like it had really poor marketing. It did. Um, and some, yeah, and some some people might be like, there was a Comic-Con at home? What is this? Um, and you look at those videos, you look at the videos of the panels and stuff on YouTube, and they're, they're averaging like 10,000, 15,000 views, right, for per Comic-Con panel. And if you were to think that that was people attending in person, right, 15,000 people at a panel, that would be like, holy crap, that's room is full can't do anything more, right? This is a success. But 15,000 views on the internet, that's kind of, it's its not that great, right? Um, so, you know, you have a wider audience, but you also have a wider scale of what you would consider to be successful. Um, so it, it's kind of hard to say like, okay, you know, 15,000 people, it's like, that would be good. If that was a physical space, that would be bad if that was a virtual space. So. I, I wouldn't treat it as like hard line numbers, but more like uh, what what is your potential reach and how close are you getting to that potential reach? Somebody did. Uh, it was Simon Carlos. And for those of you out there, especially indie devs, if you don't read Simon Carlos's 
newsletter or his po he does a lot of posts on Gama Sutra. It's mm -hmm. worth it. Even he's got a new one on like on Substack or something that charges money. Uh, and I would argue, I don't know how much he charges, but I would argue it's still worth it. He did a breakdown of a, a couple of developers coming out of the Steam, um, the, the big Steam event that they had. Right. So I would want to look at that. But I mean, with Comic-Con, there were two things that I think hurt it badly. One, Marvel and DC, just they were like, DC has their own digital event. They were like, right. You know, they had a little bit of stuff there. Marvel didn't have anything. You know, they were just like, we're not going to be there. So you, it, it's that it's that paradox with any kind of convention. You've got to have a big name coming to get everybody else to come in. But then the, the sad part is that big name is going to get most of the attention while they're there. But you still you have to have that big name. In Comic-Con, you're right. They didn't do a good job of marketing it. They didn't have that oh my God, mass market must see. I mean, the, the passionate fans are going to tune in to see what's going on with their latest thing. But quite frankly, right. it's the internet. Those fans are going to tune in no matter where they are. That's not a Comic-Con you know, thing. The other part of it is so much of Comic-Con's experience for the user is going to these panels where you can stand up and ask you know, these actors or these creators whatever you, you know, whatever's on your mind and they shut off all comments on YouTube right. and which, I mean, it's the internet. I don't really blame them for doing that, but they took that interactive aspect out of it. And so I think that hurt them a lot, but with, with game conventions, I, I really would like to see more on you know what the comparison did so and i've got a question for you as sure. the you know indie developer you know this is the first time that we've done speakers at our event it's our sixth right. event the first time we've done speakers so taking our event to the next step what can we do to help indie devs get their game out there you know more versus just random business, not random business meetings, but the business meetings. It's hard. It's hard to say um, because uh, right now, as you know, a part of the reason why you guys exist in the first place is that developing an indie game right now and, and trying to market it with, with uh, just your team and nobody else is like, I, I tell my team, it's like dropping a raindrop, a raindrop in the ocean, right? There's so many games coming out. There are so many, there's so many um, avenues that you can release on, and then you're getting into exclusive deals. Um, it, it's really difficult to, to kind of come in, and you have to treat marketing for your game just as important as you're treating actual development of the game. And it's something I, I personally really didn't take seriously until maybe a couple of years ago, and I've been doing this for almost 10 years for, for indie game development. And uh, and that that's kind of my biggest regret at not not getting into marketing a little bit earlier than I should have. Um, and like so, like how can you help us? I'm I'm really not like you can put like links to like our demos and whatnot, but it's like well how how do you do that? Because it's still the same problem that you know. I don't. Know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm I'm a developer first and foremost. So, but that's I'm just I gonna put that caveat there. I don't want me to answer it. I, you know, yeah. I have marketing ideas and stuff, but I'm not the developer. 
you know. So I always, right. and this is what we did when we first started doing these events, you know, two year, a year and a half, two years ago, was I spent several months talking to developers and publishers and going, okay, so if we did a digital event, and you got to remember, this is like in 2018, where, right. you know, no one gave a shit about digital events. And the media bluntly told us that. The, you know, it, it was a lot of having these conversations and saying, okay, you know, what do you want out of this? What can we do to help? And so that's what, and I'll pose that out there to anyone watching this now or, or whenever. If you have suggestions on how to make the meet to match an indie game business events, you know, better for you, then tell us. That's what I want to know. Um, all right. So you were talking about promo materials. Sure. Aside from the little placards, which I think is a brilliant idea. I had never, mm -hmm. that, that is the biggest problem is that you go and you create stuff for an event, but then you, you can't use it again because you're not going to be there for a year and your booth is going to change. Having that blank line, that's awesome. What yeah. other kind of promo materials have you found to be useful and which ones are, are a giant waste? So uh, we developed, for the first couple of years, we developed uh, keychains for our, our characters. So uh, Melanie, who you saw a little bit earlier, she's the the purple-haired lady that's holding up the sword. That's kind of our unofficial mascot for Wimindy. And uh, what we did uh, originally is we would hand those out, um, but we didn't have our logo. We didn't have, like, a call to action on those keychains. People just like the keychains of the characters. So, you know, I imagine they, they, they took them home and it's like, well, what game did this come from? I don't really know. Right. So what we changed for, I, I think we started it well, either last year or this year before the lockdown, we started putting uh, either like Wim Indy at Wim Indy, like really small on the keychain so that they can see where it came from with like a little circle behind it so that they can clearly see what it was from. Um, and that seemed to help a little bit. Um, and uh, I think we did like uh, we did like uh, interactive games and stuff, so people would really remember who who we are and 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 whatnot. Um, and that was from our marketing team. So uh, sorry, we're we're getting ready to get one hell of a thunderstorm. Uh, oh yeah, fair. So when you're doing your promo stuff, what are the best social? media channels that you've seen to get the word out and does it differ between a physical and a digital event um our best social media channel right now has been instagram um i've noticed that a lot of people I, i've noticed that instagram has been very very positive in the way that that uh that very positive feedback. There's been a lot of likes on our on our photos. There's been a lot of positive comments. Facebook, not really that much. We maybe get like a like here or there. Twitter is also pretty decent. Um, and then Discord has just been, people will join it, but then they don't really interact with the Discord. So it's kind of like plateaued a little bit. Um, Yeah. Sorry. Dog, yeah. dog didn't want to be stuck out there in the thunderstorm for some reason. I'm not sure why she was being so picky. Um, yeah, Instagram's really popular. Twitter's popular. Facebook, eh. Um, and then Discord, really good. And then it kind of plateaued off, but we're trying to fix that. 
So we were just talking with Michael in, in the last one about TikTok. Have you tried TikTok? And then somebody and, and Devorium wants to know about Reddit as well. Have you tried anything on those two? Can you guys still hear me? Ah, yeah, we got you. I was like, are you being really still or did you freeze up? <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I've been having some internet issues. I was hoping that it wouldn't go out toward during this, but okay. TikTok. Um, as if you've seen the news lately, that's very uncertain right now with what's going on, right? And I think Japan just banned TikTok. Um, really? But I, I think so. You keep talking, I'll Google. Yeah. Um, but I know, the, you know, certain people in the States have been like, I want TikTok to go away or I want TikTok to be purchased. And it's just kind of, eh. so I, I, I personally don't really like TikTok because of the uncertainty of it all. Um, but we'll have to see what happens and if that's, if it's here to stay or if Microsoft might ruin it. <laughs> no comment. Um, so I'm looking and it looks like they are potentially. And so Michael and I were just talking about this and how we don't think TikTok is going to get banned here in the States because it's, it's not a security thing. It's a political thing. You know, right. it's, it's he, our, our president is going after it because he thinks no one showed up in Tulsa because TikTok and, and K-pop is right. a hold of it. Um, but I had not seen Japan. Um, and so that's an interesting, I mean, I still, my gut says it's not going to be banned. And if it does, it's going to come back. And, and and if there are like serious security concerns, how does that get fixed when Microsoft gets a hold of it? You know, it's going to have security vulnerabilities either way. Um, but what there about was, oh, Reddit? Reddit. Um, so, so one of our developers on our team actually suggested Reddit like really early on, like right before it became big, like put, you know, go on Reddit, go on and, and do this. And, you know, we, we heard him, we were willing to do it, but we just had nobody that was willing to just like go on there and do it. Right. Um, so it's like, okay, because if you, if you make a Reddit community, you have to constantly moderate it and, and stuff and keep it going. Um, oh yeah. There's another question coming in. I'll take care of the questions. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, yeah. So like, I'm, I'm not against Reddit. Um, I, I'm not against TikTok for that matter. I just, for TikTok, it was a, I want to see what happens vibe. And with Reddit, it's like when we get the bandwidth with our team to be able to handle it, we can do it. But um, we just haven't had that yet. So Paul says, you mentioned taking in feedback for those who visit your booth. What do you suggest for incentivizing folks to submit feedback once they do play your demos as we transition from meat space to virtual? I really like that word. Meat space trending on Twitter. And that, that's that. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, that's a tricky question, right? Because um, when when we're in the meat space, right? Uh, we know we have a good idea of who came by our booth and who left feedback, right? Um, whereas in the virtual space, um, you don't you don't know. You have to kind of take it with a grain of salt because you don't know if somebody's doing it as in with, and they're leaving good intent or somebody's saying that your game sucks. Right. I'm going to go back to that whole comic con discussion um, where uh, Jay, you said that they banned comments on, on comic con at home. Right. 
on the on the but it took away that community aspect right so it's like well where do you draw the line with like censoring voices and feedback uh on on who plays your game and you know being subject to abuse and people who are trolling your your game just because they can oh you looking for me to answer that i was i ain't lying i was sitting here watching your game because i'm a huge fan of smash tv um oh wait no he's froze up again okay so that's what it was um all right so we'll see if if we can get him back shortly in the meantime Ah, keep popping the questions in there. We've only got like five or 10 minutes left anyway. And so, but Grover's on the server. I mean, he's on our Discord server at discord.gg slash indie game business. So you can chat with him there or, you know, many of the other places that are out there right now. I'll keep an eye on, on him to see if he, he might've lost internet. The, um, it's, it's a, interesting thing when you're trying to figure out reddit because reddit is such a, a different beast um but i encourage anyone who has who has an idea on how to do it properly i will have you on the podcast you know to talk about it because it's something that we see you know a whole lot um and and we're always looking for ways to up the game here on on the digital side you know we've given talks on uh, you know, how you should approach you know, the publishing end of it. But, you know, the big question is when you have things like Steam and they do the big Steam Festival, it's like, yeah, you're getting a lot of folks coming in and playing these games on Steam. But at the same time, there were 9,000 demos. It's like, how do you stand out from, from that crowd as well? And it, it becomes that same perpetual jump with, um, with marketing and, and standing out from the crowd. So... I think we may have lost Grover. It's all right. We can get him back and we can get him on the podcast too. Uh, so this is what we got 15 minutes before our, our last speaker of the event. One, if you have any feedback on the event, then absolutely. Oh, there we go. Hi. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, you're good. We got it. We've got about five, 10 more minutes. Yeah. So I, I cut out right when you were talking about playing spell bearers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Spellbearers is kind of a medieval Super Smash TV. So if you like Smash TV, you will really like. Uh, is, is there a voice that's going to tell me I can win big prizes, big money? We haven't done. We haven't implemented voice acting yet, but I I cannot say yes or no at the moment. We're we trying to get the main game done first. Um. So I'm very. I, I just said while you were gone the. Getting to a, a place where we're always looking at how we can help the indie teams. So, right. you know, if there are things that we can do, I mean, yeah, there's a fine line. I think the easiest thing that we can do is, you know, have a directory or have something featuring indie games because the ones that are ready to be promoted are, you know, of course, we have the business passes so you can actually pitch them to publishers. But I think there's things right. that we can put in that profile that make it easier to, you know, post a video or, or link to the demo or the steam page, you know, that would be one thing. Um, but the, the other part I wanted to talk about was the press list. And so you said, you know, when you're going to the meat space conventions, you can call ahead and get a press list. Uh, so this was the first time 
this event was the first time anyone had asked me for a press list. And so I had no idea what it was. I don't run. This is the only conference I've ever run. I had no idea. We had somebody go, can we get a copy of your press list? And I sent it over to Michael and I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? And he's like, well, the list of the press that are going to be there. And I'm like, I have no idea. It's a digital event. Any press watching YouTube can get there. So that's one thing to keep in mind. You know, when you're dealing with a digital event, they're not always going to have a press list, you know, because, right. you know, we can give a list of people who are speaking or we always put lists of who's attending on, on the main page. So you can see that, but mm -hmm. it's much harder for us on the digital side to go, oh, okay, you know, it's easy at E3 and, and GDC, you know, who has passes and you're typically catering to the press. It, we don't we're, we're not gated off by anything so anyone who's watching on youtube facebook twitter or twitch you, you know can watch us so our press list is anyone or no one or most likely somewhere in between yeah right, so we're gonna wrap it up grover is on the discord so if you've got yes. questions and questions and feedback on how to you know, showcase your game either live or you know in one of these digital events pop over there we've got the post session chat room in there live uh, uh and then should i post the uh the, the the steam links there or we had them didn't didn't we we, we I, I put them in the i put them in the private chat but i don't think they can see that <laughs> yeah no, no no we put them in the we put them in the main chat right on right we, on we broadcasted a lot to everybody so there's a speakers and the Salatria. Yep. Salatria. Yep. We sent it to everybody. Cool. Right Thank on. You Thank for, you for coming and doing this. I, I highly appreciate it. And you're welcome to come back and, and pop into the podcast as well if you want to. For sure. Thank you for having me, Jay. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.